Good morning, RK. I hope you're all right. Um, thank you for tuning in today, wherever you might be, whether you're at uh, home or in somebody's garden or wherever you may be. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, it's good to get as much of God in the mix as possible. And so I want to start with a little prayer. Um, if you don't mind joining me in that, please, that would be good. Father, we thank you for a new day with new opportunities. Thank you for your kindness and your grace. Lord, I pray that you use me as your vessel this morning and that the words that I bring um, will be helpful to someone. And I pray that you'll bless us with your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Exodus. Um, when I heard that we were going to go through this book, I thought I'm going to have to sit this one out because this book is just, I, I, I need to leave it to the pros. It is so full. It's so theologically rich. And I just thought, no. Um, but actually, this passage that we're in today, chapter three, um, it kind of deals with that kind of doubt and that apprehension. So here we are. Let's dig in. Um, yes, yeah, so as I said, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, uh, a little bit into chapter 4. And it starts with Moses, he's, um, he's out tending to his father-in-law's flock of sheep, basically. Um, so he's obviously a grown-up at this point. He's not the baby in the basket anymore. He's not, not the, uh, the boy grew, who grew up in um, Pharaoh's household. Um, He's a grown man and he's seen the oppression of his people in Egypt. Um, and while he was still in Egypt, he saw an Egyptian um, beat one of the Hebrew slaves. And Moses basically murders this man. He beats this Egyptian and he ends up fleeing to Midian, which is where he met his wife. Um, and that's where we're at at this point of the story. And chapter three starts like this. Now, Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
I think it's easy to hear stories like this and think that they're just symbolic, that, you know, they're just really old, made-up stuff that we can learn stuff from. Now, I do think that they are really old and that they're, we can learn a lot from them, but I don't think that the, that it's made up. I think this is part of the story of God's people, just like you have a story and I have a story. And one of the things that we know from Moses' story is that he didn't come into this ministry of releasing people from oppression with a clean slate. As we saw um, in Jim's chapter from, from last week, um, he had killed somebody. Um, but regardless of that, Moses wasn't written off. Um, God still had plans for him, regardless of his past, regardless of his shortcomings. And I love that that's actually a, a, a theme that we can see throughout the whole Bible. Um, we can see that God uses the, the faulty vessels, the, the broken people, the little people, the underdog, um, because his power is made perfect in our weakness and his grace is enough for us to move past our past and move into what God's calling us to. And I think there are examples of it all over the place. Um, you know, if you want to check it out at a later time, the story of Gideon, the story of Esther, Nehemiah, Rahab, King David. And we see Moses' response to God's instruction as well um, in verse 11. It says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And it's easy for us to think, actually, who am I? What have I got to bring? Um, what have I possibly got that could be used for for God's kingdom and his glory? And this is why we have to remember it's not about us. He is always the point. It's about his plan, his purpose for you. Um, and... Moses is he's asked to step out of his comfort zone, do something that he feels terribly ill-equipped to do. Um, in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So Moses, he had all of these objections to why God couldn't use him for his purposes but God he just plows on he just like no no this is happening so buckle up basically and he shows them all of these signs and wonders obviously the burning bush is is um one of them but there's there's some more in in chapter four and God shows him these signs and wonders and he says Aaron can go with you, um, you know, you're not going anywhere on your own, basically. God's going with you. Um, but I love this bit. So verse 7 and 8 in chapter 3, it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You and I have the same mission that Moses had, but just in a different time, because there are thousands of people around us um, 
totally enslaved by their circumstances. It could be maybe their past, their doubts in, in even the existence of love, let alone a God that loves them. And people are desperate for liberation, and that's where you and I come in. Um, you know, people are desperate to hear the good news of Jesus and have those chains of of sin and debt and guilt and shame broken. And there's nobody like Jesus to do that. Um, now, it's obviously possible for us to, to sit back and think, no, I'm all right, thanks, somebody else can do that. Because God will always find someone to do his work for him. But you might miss out on the blessing that it is to be used by God for his purpose, for his glory. Um, and also, we don't have to be anybody special to to step out, to go out and release people. You just have to be willing. So if we think about some of the, the team at RK, so people like Josh Botham, Jim McGlade, Steve Parker, they're regular people. They're absolutely lovely people, but they're regular people. And I could actually argue that in the eyes of the world, I'm not even that. I am a short immigrant female with no higher education whatsoever. And I have spent most of my adult life pulling pints or cleaning other people's houses. And um, the first time I recorded a talk for RK, <laughs> I, I had to give myself a talking to because it Everything in me wanted to sit down and apologize to you all for all of the things that I'm not. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not very good at this, I'm not very good at that and all that kind of stuff. And I had to just tell myself to shut up, basically. Sit down and get on with sharing what's on your heart to people. Um, because I had to just trust that... It's not about me. I'm not the point. And God can take my measly offerings and do something with them. It's about trust, I think. Um, but having said all of that, even somebody like the Apostle Paul, who was of very good stock and very good stature and all the rest of it, um, he was also humble. From 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 to 5. It says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. All of that to say, I want to encourage you that if you think that there is something that God's put on your heart for you to do, for you to step out and do in the kingdom, do it. And maybe you think that, maybe you haven't quite figured out what your something is yet. 
let's figure it out. Like, let's actually make some time, grab somebody you trust. It might be someone, someone from, from your home group, maybe your home group leader, maybe someone on the staff team, maybe someone on the leadership team, the prayer team, the pastoral team, any kind of team or a family member, somebody that you trust and think that might have some wisdom for you. Um, and I also know that there are some among us who maybe feel shackled by illness or maybe by age, whether you feel too young or too old, or maybe you feel shackled by the general busyness of life. Um, and it is true that some of you will have to work harder to step into that purpose that God's got for you. But please don't write yourself off. Please don't write yourself off. God will use his power through you. And I think now's the time to meet him halfway. I'm going to leave you to ponder that one for a little bit and see see where, where your mind takes you. Um, because another thing that I see in this passage, when Moses first sees the burning bush and approaches it, the Lord tells him to take his shoes off because he's on holy ground. And I think there are times in our lives as as Christians where we stagnate in our journey. I think I said this to you last time I spoke to you as well, that, you know, that there are times when we stagnate in our in that sanctification process, that that process of being made more holy, more Christ like. Um, because when we first come to Christ, we come with warts and all, and that is okay. That's okay. Nobody needs to get their act together to sort themselves out before you come um, come to Christ, before you invite God into your heart. Um, he will help with that tidying up process um, in the years to come. But I do think that that tidying up process is something that we should welcome. Um, we all heal and grow at different paces and that's okay um but i do think it's important that we keep striving and keep aiming to live a holy life in response to what god's done for us now even though we don't have the you know the burning bush scenario or the holy ground scenario we do have the holy spirit living inside of us and that in itself should bring about a certain amount of reverence for the Lord and that in itself should bring about a certain amount of change in us as well if you're not a Christian yet and you find yourself listening to this again don't write yourself off because you think that you've got too much to sort out that you've got too much tidying up to do and so on um, we take things one step at a time and just taking that first step towards God, that's where you start because he will never reject you, he will never turn you away and, and it's worth it. And the rest, the rest will follow. Um, but the rest of us, if you're anything like me, we've all got stuff to work on still. Um, the last, I don't know, two or three weeks maybe, I've been a bit painful for me. Um, I have had some awkward conversations. I've had some painful conversations. Um, I've had some beautifully healing conversations as well. 
But throughout each and every single one of these conversations, I've been about a million times more sensitive than I normally have. Um, and that in itself has been really uncomfortable for me. I don't, I don't function that way normally. Um, but I think that, I don't know, there have been things where I feel like God's been working on him, on me. He's been softening my heart and getting me sort of, I don't know, ready for, for something, I think. But one of the things that he's been highlighting massively is um, forgiveness, how important it is and how freeing it is um, and how much healing can come from from forgiveness. I know that there are many people at RK, outside of RK, um, friends and family and all that. We we all um, have been hurt, um, some of us um, very much so. Some of us have hurt other people um, and we're struggling to forgive ourselves. I'm not under any illusion whatsoever that I can undo that hurt for you today. And I'm not under any illusion that forgiveness is a simple task or an easy task. But I still want to talk about it a little bit because I think that it can be a barrier for us to move closer to God and for us to, you know, move into that purpose that he's got for us. I think the thing about living holy lives and living with a reverence for the Lord is that Jesus has actually shown us how to do it. Um, the Gospels show us, you know, how 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 Jesus went through life like we go through life. Um, you know, he's he suffered betrayal and loss and grief and persecution, but what he showed was um, gentleness and kindness and humility. And he showed us that it's possible and important to forgive. In uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So in other words, way many more times than we were probably, I don't know, ready for or thought was possible. Um, just before COVID hit really badly, um, we were all doing, well, many of us at RK were doing the Freedom in Christ course. And one of the things that I learned from that course um was that forgiveness is actually between you and God. Um, I think forgiveness doesn't mean that you condone what's been done for you, done to you rather. Um, but I think forgiveness is that choice to put it down and move onwards. Um, there are there are times when we you know we have to chew well have to where the choice could be to forgive someone that you actually don't believe is good for you. Um, and it, there are times when there are people that aren't good for you, you're not good for them. And I don't think, think forgiveness is necessarily about forcing relationships to happen. You can forgive and move your you know, move on separately, go your separate ways. Um, 
But I think for for me, one of the main things has been that actually any desire for justice and retribution should be left in the hands of the Lord. Um, But then sometimes there are people that we're at odds with that we do want in our lives. Um, And whatever has happened needs fixing. And I think that can be a, a relatively simple process, maybe not an easy one, maybe not a comfortable one, but it starts with a conversation with the relevant party, by the way. You may have to swallow your pride. You may have to dig deep for, for grace. Um, you may have to choose how badly do you want to be right. But actually, when you lower your guard and you give it to Jesus, you nail your, your whatever it might be. I mean, there are so many millions of ways we can hurt each other. Um, but when we give it to God, we need to leave it with God. We need to stop taking it back for one thing. But healing comes from that. I honestly think that healing really can come from that. Um. Some of you will already know what you need to do. Some of you will have had a certain person or a certain situation, whether in your past or two days ago, um, in your mind, as I've been talking about this. Um, Some of you might not be ready yet, um, and that's okay. That's between you and the Lord. It's none of my business, that's for sure. But I want to show you something. I have not thought of this by myself, by the way. I'm not that clever. This is a glass jar with some stones and actually some sands because the the stones were making a proper racket when I was testing this before. The stones basically represent um, the wrongs that we've experienced, either caused by us um, or others. Um, It doesn't really matter what size they are. Some are really big, some are really small. The point is they're not going to get out of this jar by themselves. They're going to fill up this jar if we don't do anything with them now what we tend to do is that we hold on to these things we hold on to these experiences and we get stuck i can't pull this out for love no money at the minute because i'm grasping this wrong in my hand so strongly can't do anything i can pick up some more that's not going to help me but actually If I let it go, it lets me go. Which enables me to one by one pick them out. And for each stone, I free up some space for some good stuff. I free up some mind space for new friendships. I free up some energy to read my Bible. I free up some time. These three are tiny little piddly things. I don't know how they got in there. Um, I free up some time for some worship music. I free up some, some uh, space for good stuff. And now God can use this jar for something a lot more wholesome and worthwhile. 
But the point is, the jars aren't the, the jar. The stones aren't going to come out of there unless you let them go. And as you let them go, the Holy Spirit will help you to work through all of the stuff that you've gone through. He will help you to heal. He will be with you every single step of the way. And one of the biggest things for me is that forgiveness isn't condoning the wrongs that you've been put through. Um, it's just giving it to God because he can make it go away. We can't. Um, I don't know. My prayer is that there's someone listening to this today um, who feels compelled and maybe even empowered to let something go that's holding you back. Um, and I just pray that today will be the day where you start that process. Um, there was an author in the 1600s called John John Bunyan, um, and he wrote a poem that I'm going to leave you with um, as a reminder that God has given us both purpose and provision. And it goes, run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. So, Father, I thank you that you have a plan for each and every single one of us. And I pray that you will help us to clear our minds and our hearts and our lives of the things that are holding us back so that we can go out and live out our purposes in your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a beautiful day, okay?